Okay, so Matt, I, I went to the doctor yesterday, and they told me that I was probably going deaf. Oh, really? Yeah, it was really hard to hear. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. Yeah, buddy. How you doing, Matt? <laughs> Man, I'm pretty good. Good. You can tell it's getting warmer and that it's spring because yeah. I'm fighting these dang red wasps. <laughs> like every spring in Tennessee, they just flood in and I don't know where they come from. I know. We, we need we need something that's going to kill them off now that they've come out. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. You know what it is? It's a can of that black flag wasp spray. That's what it is. That, Every day, like twice a day oh, after I get yeah. home from work, I step outside because they build a thing right on the corner of my house. Yeah. I step outside and I spray them down and I run back in before they get a chance to tag me. So, freaking <laughs> spring wasp. <laughs> so, on the note of spring, um, we wanted to thank this week's sponsor, Care Of. Um, they're another one of those companies that we really believe in. Um, you, you guys should go check them out. Check out all of our sponsors, really. Um, but go check them out. We've got a web, our website has all of the offer codes on them. So go check that out. Yeah. And if you haven't looked at our new website, go check it out. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Ashley did a great job. Yep. So it's a little bit easier to navigate. Um, and there's going to be a lot more information on there. So, you know, it's still a work in progress, but it's up and it looks good. Right. And we'll keep keep adding stuff as we go and any important announcements um, she can add to the homepage. So it, it'll be a good place to kind of synchronize all of our information on. Um, but Matt, why don't you tell us what we're talking about tonight? You're going to have to bleep this. Okay. We're going to be talking about another haunted castle. And this one is f***ed up. Yeah, no kidding, man. I mean, we're talking about Lep Castle mm -hmm. in Ireland. And now, sometimes you'll hear me say, I never heard of this place, or I didn't know that much. Now, I, I heard, I had heard of Lep Castle, and I had even, I had even looked at uh, a few documentaries on YouTube mm -hmm. about it before we had decided to do it as a topic. Right. But I, you know, really, it is... You know, it's got another one of these most haunted castle, you know, that I can see from my backyard kind of thing. You know, Right, right. <laughs> but it, this place really is is active and it's and it's been active for hundreds of years. And like a lot of the places that we talk about, the activity is it's more recent. You know, it's like from like the 1950s forward mm -hmm. because for centuries nothing's documented about it but sure in this place you know there there's been activity that's been documented for a really long time yeah and so, it, it's crazy history oh yeah the history of this place is bizarre it reminded me of when we did the episode on chillingham castle yeah you know how the history was just so violent and bloody mm -hmm. that 
you just couldn't imagine that a place like that wasn't haunted. Right. That would be the surprise. Right. Is, oh, there's not 45 ghosts living in this place. <laughs> yeah, right. But but Lep Castle in Ireland is is really, really active. And the history, it, it's like Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it really is. You know, I mean, it's one thing to, to just have a lot of war and conflict. It's another thing to just kill off members of your own family. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And not just one. Right. You know, we'll get into that. It, it's like generations gone. Yeah. I mean, just constantly going on. Um, but let's let's get into this. Let's get into the, some of this history and and you'll see why this place is the way it is. Yeah. When we get done, you'll have no doubt that if if there is such a thing as ghost, they are here. <laughs> yes. Um, so Lep Castle sits in Cool Dairy County Offaly, Ireland, and there's some argument around when Lep Castle was built, uh, but the most popular consensus is that it was around 1250 CE, so yeah. a long time ago. You can't really pull a building permit from then. No, <laughs> no, that, it, it's very difficult to, you know, I'm sure they did, they, they went by the codes and they went down to the codes office, they yeah. got the building permits, but... We you, just can't you find You can't it. put these stones right here. Yeah, I'm sorry, but we're we're going to be in like a thousand years running some electrical wire through here <laughs> and expanding this road. So I'm sorry, sir, but you can't build there. Um, but Lep Castle was built over an existing site that was supposedly occupied by Druids. And they uh, they used the property there for like initiation and religious ceremonies. So that area has actually been occupied consistently since at least the Iron Age. So that's 500 BCE um, and possibly since Neolithic times. So there has been human inhabitation on this plot of land for a god awful long time. Yeah. Yeah. Pert near forever. Pert you know. <laughs> so um, but it was built by the O'Bannon clan and the original name is a Gaelic phrase that I can't pronounce. <laughs> um, Matt thought I was going to try it. Uh, yeah, I was hoping. <laughs> but it it means leap of the O'Bannons. Now, the O'Bannons, they were a very affluent clan uh, from County Tipperary there. And as legend goes, the two O'Bannon brothers were kind of fighting over who got to be the chieftain of their family. So they decided in order to determine this, who would be the reigning chief, they would leap from a rock where the castle was to be built. Now, the sole survivor would not only govern the clan, but would also be responsible for the castle's construction. So that's where Lep Castle's saga of bloodshed started. How dumb. Right? I mean... Because what if y'all both died? Right. That's exactly what I thought. Or like, why, why would you do this? Yeah. One, oh, well, if I live, I get to be the ruler. Yeah. Well, there's better ways yeah, of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, play tiddlywinks or something. Yeah. I don't care. Do paper, rock, scissors, whatever. I'm sure the thumb war worked back <laughs> yes. then, too. So just do thumb war and figure it out. You <laughs> Let's know? jump off this rock. And if we don't both die, the survivor wins. Yep. It's a terrible game. He probably won't have use of at least one leg, <laughs> but he'll be the chief. Yeah, if you survive, you're going to be maimed. In right. Just a, a fantastic idea. But 
the O'Bannon's rule of Lep Castle didn't really last a long time um, because the O'Bannons were subservient to the O'Carrolls. And they were this just ruthless, domineering sect of people that was fueled by greed and power. And you'll find out more about that very shortly. Um, but the O'Carrolls seized Lep Castle, and this kind of started that legacy of carnage that we know today and that sits at the core of this menacing reputation of Lep Castle. Now, according to legend, a lot of massacres took place within the walls of Lep Castle at the hands of the O'Carroll clan. So let's talk about the O'Carroll clan and all the bloodshed for a minute. Now, the O'Carrolls were this brutal clan who were always struggling amongst each other for power. And they were known to be pretty violent in their attempts for this domination of the land. Now, a man named John O'Carroll was thought to be the first prince of Eli who lived in Lep. And it's very probable that, probable that he was one of the first ones to start some of the major construction in the castle. But John ended up dying at Lep because he suffered from the plague. So, you know, that plague brings some bad juju Just to the right. place. Yeah. But John's grandson, and this is a really long name, and y'all are going to have to forgive both Matt and myself throughout this episode for the butchering of Gaelic. Yeah. Um, just just forgive Adam. I'm not going to try. Yeah. He'll he, <laughs> just go, Adam, take over on this one. But Fergenheim O'Carroll was rumored to have murdered a guest at the dinner table. Um, his steward was supposed to have killed a servant in the guard room as well. Now, Fergenheim ended up being murdered in 1541 by the Omalois, another clan. But he was succeeded by his son, Teague the One-Eyed, William, and two other Gaelic names that I cannot pronounce. Yeah. But Teague assumed command and subsequently was then killed by his own kinsman, Charles O'Carroll. So then Charles in turn, was slayed by Teague's younger brother, William, in 1554. Now, William was then murdered in 1581 by his O'Connor relatives. William had fathered four sons, and John, Charles, Moroni, and Teague, well, John took over. Now, John O'Carroll was slayed the following year by his cousin Mulroney, who was son of Teague the One-Eyed. Yeah, are you keeping score? Right. So everybody's died. <laughs> everybody's died. It is. It's like Game of Thrones. It really is. Um, this murder was then avenged by John's brother, Charles O'Carroll, who killed the Mulroney guy, and then he became knighted. Well, Charles O'Carroll was slain in 1600. Supposedly, this was in retaliation because Charles killed 150 of his own men and some of McManon's men. It was thought that Charles had come to lose trust in some of his own men. And when it came time to pay them for services, Charles and a few of his trusted men slew them where they slept. So big mass murder right there. Yeah, so don't don't go to a party at the at the O'Carroll's house. No. Because you're probably not going to make it out alive. Right. 
Uh, like Matt's saying, one of the most wicked slayings that was tied to the O'Carroll clan was that of the McMahon family. The McMahons were invited to a celebratory feast at LEP, and the O'Carrolls, rather than pay them, opted to poison them. Yeah, good idea. And you know, the the McMahon family can still be seen walking the grounds. I don't, I don't know how they know that. I said, I told Adam, I said, well, I guess if you see a bunch of uh, ghosts walking around that look like they've got diarrhea or really nauseated mm-hmm. from being poisoned, then that, oh, well, that's them. Yeah, it must be them. <laughs> I think they carry a sign. Yeah, surely. And you it, know, and there's it, a there's a sigil somewhere that lets people know if they ever see them, this is yeah, who they are. They they carry a sign that says "Screw the O'Carrolls." <laughs> so, don't order the pork, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not just salmonella in this one. One of the other places that Matt has found a lot of interesting stuff on is a, a chapel, and Ended up when the chief of the O'Carroll clan died, he left no successors. So a dispute developed between his sons Thaddeus and Teague over who would rule. Now Thaddeus was a priest, and in the middle of one of his masses, he was slaughtered by Teague in what is now known as the Bloody Chapel. Yeah, and I mean, to be the site of such a gruesome murder, brother killing brother, Awful. And and then you make it worse by killing a priest while performing a holy mass. So let's just let's just make it more evil. Yeah, right. So one of the weird things that happens in the chapel is light will come out from the windows, just stream out of it. And people have been seeing this for decades. You know, this has gone on. In fact, it still happens now. You know, now, understandably, the the Rhines will tell you that, that the castle has electricity, but they live by candlelight. Um, So there should be no light in the chapel, which is an upstairs room, unless someone is there mm-hmm. and, has, and has lit torches. It's not just going to light up on its own. Right. So the light is emitting from somewhere. But... People would report seeing this pretty routinely, and even now the Ryans will get phone calls to tell them that there's light coming out of the chapel windows from above. Hey, dude, your light's on, but nobody's home. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's home. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, Thaddeus, who was the priest that was murdered, um, his spirit can be seen in the chapel. So just you know, wandering around. Um, and there, there was also rumored that, you know, there, there are blood stains that can still be seen in the chapel. Oh wow! So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's probably the most active location in the castle mm-hmm. because of what happened there. Um, you know, a, a lot of noises. Uh, Sean Ryan even says he's heard chanting before. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's covered in in. Some bad juju. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, you would you would just assume after what happened there that, you know, because you, you kill a holy man. Right. 
that's not going to go over well. Yeah. And in the middle of, like you said, a, a holy ceremony, it's just bad. Yeah. You know, but did that prevent the Ryans from going up there? Oh no. I doubt it. They actually christened their child in the whole, in the bloody chapel. Why? You know, I mean, well, that's what I said. Why? <laughs> Why would you do this? You know, this this place sounds cursed. Right. But they said it was it was the juxtaposition of such a joyous event held against, you know, the backdrop of such a, you know, a, a horrible malevolent, you know, place. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, it just, you know, gruesome and horrifying mm-hmm. and, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to change all that by, by having this, you know, joy, right. Bring you know, some, right, right here, bring some good yeah. to the darkness. Maybe it worked because the Ryans say, um, and, and the Ryans, uh, they're the present owners. They mm-hmm. say that they, they don't really have a lot of problems out of the more malevolent spirits that have resided there. That's good. So, Okay, one of the other more notorious spirits in Lep Castle is that of the Red Lady. Now, the Red Lady is a very tall specter clothed in in a a flowing red gown, and she's holding a sharp blade. Now, the story behind the Red Lady is that she was imprisoned by the O'Carrolls and repeatedly raped. Now, she gave birth to a baby who was then murdered by the O'Carrolls. Now she was overcome with grief over the loss of her child. And so the red lady used the knife to end her own life. Now, a guest of the Darby's who would, would later own Lep Castle and reside there around, you know, the turn of the, of the century. Um, she reported waking up in the middle of the night and and seeing what she thought was a woman in a flowing dress holding a knife or a dagger. Hmm. Now, it was dark, so her response was to light a match. Now, once the match was lit and there was some dim light in the room, she could see that the room was empty. Wow. So... You know, pretty, uh, pretty freaky. Yeah. I would, I would, I, you know, I don't want to wake up No, and see something like no, that. No, that would freak Ever. me out. I'd leave the room. <laughs> I mean, it, it wouldn't be just a match lit because I, I would explode from just farting myself out of fear and yeah. then I light a match and it would be, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not a big chicken, but if I wake up and see it, yeah, that, I mean, I've, you know, I feel vulnerable enough sure. if I'm, you know, Sitting there and you know in the bed and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. My, I think that's... my kids are bad enough when they do it, you <laughs> right, know. Right, right. <laughs> For it to be like, whoa, what are you? You I, know. <laughs> I think that's the thing that gets me the most about any of the ones that we've talked about is when anything happens to people in their bed. Yeah, you know. And I've had some weird things happen. Oh yeah. While you, I'm asleep, you can relate to that. And that is like one of the. Like you said, most vulnerable times, you know, because no matter what, what can you do, whether it be an entity or a human, 
that's your most vulnerable time that anybody can catch you. So that's, that freaks me out tremendously when something happens, when you're supposed to be mm-hmm. safe and comfortable in your bed, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. <laughs> no. Now, to, to move forward a little bit in history, in the 1900s, an oubliette was discovered behind a wall in the chapel. I think that's my new favorite word. Oubliette? Oubliette. Do you know what it means? It, it's a dog name of somebody in the South. <laughs> what? My dog Oubliette out there. <laughs> Oubliette, get in the house. <laughs> Tell us what it means, Close. Matt. Uh, Oubliette, you know, the, it, the root word means to forget. Mm-hmm. So Oubliette means a small place of forgetting. Yeah, like my dog. Yeah. <laughs> or or small dungeon. Right. Where I'm not going to I'm not going to remember you. Right. See ya. And it, for <laughs> for this exact space, this exact oubliette, that definition is perfect. Um because it was found behind a wall in the chapel and it contained human skeletons amassed on wooden spikes. There were so many of them that it would take 3 cartloads to remove all of them. Now it's believed that the O'Carrolls would drop unsuspecting guests through the trap door to get impaled by a spear that was eight feet below. Yeah. So those freaking O'Carrolls again. Yeah. And if it wasn't bad enough that you're thrown into, you know, down an eight foot pit, essentially, if you didn't die from the fall or from landing on the spike, you would just lay down there and starve to death. Right. But not only this, is there was a little window in there. So you could look out and you could see the family having parties and having guests and smell the food and see people come and go. And there you are. So it was absolutely just a torture cell. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And for that many bones to be in there, to think how many people died inside that little yep. pit. You were laying on top of other people when yeah. you fell in there. When they told, when I read about how many bones they pulled out, I thought, so at what point did they stack up high enough that if they pushed you in, you were just kind of like chest high? It was like, well, I can just crawl out of this. Place. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's a soft place to land, but, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm standing on like 80 years of bones here. Yeah. You know, I can just crawl out. You it, know? It's so deep with people that you, the trap door doesn't open all the way. You know? It's like Mr. Like, Burns hitting the button and the trap door fails. You know? But... There is there is apparently a spirit that resides inside the oubliette. Well, yeah. And and people have reported seeing the spirit of a man trying to claw and climb his way out. Wow. But Sean Ryan says that the spirit that resides in there isn't necessarily trapped. That he can come and go. And that sometimes he'll go and be gone for quite a long time, like he's on holiday. But he will also go to other rooms in the castle. And Sean reports that he has seen this one just sitting, you know, in other rooms, just sitting in a chair. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, usually it's just like, good evening. And he just keeps right on going. (laughs) But he's also been known to pull pictures off of the walls. Hmm. You know, so 
So he's not trapped. He just stays. And it may not be the same one with all those bones. You know, there's probably multiple ones in there. Right. Um, but you know, one interesting thing about the spirits that are in Lep Castle is with so many places that Adam and I have discussed, the spirits seem to be either trapped within, or at least they are enclosed in a particular area of the building. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's a single bedroom, whether it's a hallway or a staircase, the spirits in Lep don't seem to be bound by any of that. Right. As with this fella, you know, they can move about freely, which makes you begin to think that they've got some type of knowledge of where they are and what they're doing. Yep. You know, if, if they are, if you're not just watching a replay of, you know, gory history, mm -hmm. you know, these spirits have just decided that they're going to hang around, you know, and they, they move about the castle of their own free will. Right. Which is. Like you said, that's odd for a mm -hmm. lot of places, you know, yeah. some places, sure. You know, that we, we hear that occasionally, but most places, like you said, it's, they are stuck where they died or mm -hmm. where the most traumatic thing happened to them. Yeah. And it, it, they return to the place that they know, but apparently they have a stronger connection to the castle itself Yeah, rather than just one little spot or, or the energy is right there. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's where the, the energy is that allows them to manifest, whether it be visually or audibly. Um, and so they don't venture beyond that or else if they do, they, they don't have enough energy to communicate. Right. And that, that could be from those druidic ceremonies. You sure. know, if, if there were ceremonies performed on that plot of land, by druids, maybe it opened something or it conjured enough energy in a certain spot yeah. um, that it, you know, allows them, like you said, to manifest in a more physical manner. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the castle, you know, like Adam said, it's built over a, a, a druid area. Um, it sits on, wait for it. Dun, dun, dun. Ley lines. Yep. Once again, especially in, in England and Ireland and Scotland, you, you will see these either either a castle or a, a building or like the ancient Ram Inn. Yep. A church. A church, yeah. They are built on these ley lines. Mm -hmm. And they are the places that you hear about that are so active. You know, when it comes to what we call paranormal activity. Right. So, and, and Lep Castle is no exception. Oh yeah, obviously. So, you know, it's just, there's something about, there's something about the ley lines and the energy and the Druids knew it. Sure. You know, they, for whatever reason, they seem to have understood it. Now, whether you believe any of this or not, the Druids obviously did. Mm-hmm. And they had some way to figure it out because all of these places seem to be affiliated with some type of ceremonial place for the Druids or, you know, like, like Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, we don't understand it now, but somebody did. They understood what they were doing. Now, whether it was, there was actual physical evidence that what they did was conjuring or 
providing power or whatever. We, we don't really know. But it, it's curious to me that all of these places over there seem to be affiliated with some type of Druid activity along a ley line. Yep. There's something to it. Yeah. So let's take a quick step back again in history. Um, let's go to the 1600s. Now in the 1600s, the castle switched ownership, but it wasn't really a peaceful passing of ownership. Now, as the story goes, the daughter of a reigning O'Carroll chieftain became enthralled with this English prisoner that they had in one of the castle's dungeons. And he was known as Captain Darby. Now, the O'Carroll daughter would sneak food down to Darby, and they ended up kind of developing this plan to elope and get him out of there. So late one night, she snuck down there, and she freed Darby. And the two began this big escape attempt from Lep Castle. But it was kind of cut short because they ran into the girl's brother on a stairwell. Isn't that always the case? That's always what it is. It's that (laughs) dang brother that gets in the way. You're trying to sneak a girl out of her house, and there's your brother. Yeah, the brother comes in, and then you have a sword fight. Yeah, every time. I can't even count. And then you kill the girl's brother. Oh, wait, no, that's just Darby. Darby, Yeah, no, I've never done that. So Darby, (laughs) not that you'll admit to on, on Mike. Um, but there was a sword fight and Darby ended up killing the girl's brother. Now, upon his death, the daughter became the heiress of the castle. Yeah. So what do you think Darby's going to do now that she's the heir of this castle? He's going to marry her. Well, sure. Of course. So the newly married Darby's took over Lep Castle and started their own family and began to invest in expansions and renovations. Captain Darby was a bit, um, how you say, temperamental. So that's how I'd say it. He he became known as the Wild Captain. That was my nickname in college. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you take that Captain Morgan stance a lot? You know, did, get a little captain in. Captain you. Morgan took it from me, Dad Gummit. <laughs> that was my thing. But this this captain, not the Captain Morgan. The Captain Darby, uh, he had amassed a, a fortune in treasure. And made through, a lot better rum. Yes, <laughs> through through battles, and uh, he, he hid it like a pirate. Right. And apparently he hid it in compartments that were all throughout the castle. All right, Adam and I want to take a time out to talk about our sponsor for tonight, care of now care of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door that's right and 90 percent of people actually fall short of fda recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient i know i am one of those myself um, you can find out where you're lacking with care of's online quiz and get back on track to reaching your health goals. Now, it's really hard to know which vitamins and supplements you should be taking, but Care Of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. And Matt and I have both done it. It's easy, it takes like five minutes. You can figure it out and get yourself set up. 
Yeah, it's really great. And Amanda and I both do it. And you, you get them, you get them on time and open up the little pack and you know, hey, this is this is what I've been told would need I would need to take. This is where I'm lacking. Right, it's great. Yeah, and, and you know, it's no fuss. You know, you don't have to deal with a whole bunch of bottles. You open the pack, you take your vitamins, and you're out the door. Now, Care-of now offers protein powders available in individual packets for on-the-go, all personalized to your fitness goals and dietary preferences. Now, a portion of every sale goes towards the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. That's awesome. Yeah. That's absolutely awesome. Now, graveyard listeners can get 50% off their first month of personalized care of vitamins. All you got to do is go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code GRAVE50. That's G-R-A-V-E-5-0. That's right. For 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code GRAVE50. Now, he had done some pretty bad stuff, and it landed him in in prison in Dublin for treason. Mm -hmm. But eventually, they released him and let him go home to Lep. You're too crazy to keep in here. Right. So all those years of being in prison had pretty much driven him nuts. You know, and, and, you know, he was just. He just wasn't adjusting well. Mm-hmm. But the biggest problem was is that he couldn't remember where he had hid all of his treasure. And so after his death, the legend says that his fortune is still hidden somewhere in the castle and that you can see the wild captain's ghost roaming the castle halls still looking for his treasure. Now that one, see, that sounds like a really, you know, this is a really great story to tell for right. tourists that come and visit this place. Right. And if you look on a dark night, yeah. you'll see Captain Darby still <laughs> searching for his gold. Arr. Yeah. <laughs> Yar, I can't find me gold. An Irish pirate. <laughs> yeah, still has that weird English accent. Though, That's right. right. Of course. You know. Just like, like they do in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Everybody's got the same accent. <laughs> It's like why uh, why Sean Connery can play a Russian submarine captain with a Scottish accent. Yeah, I mean, nobody. <laughs> and, nobody and nobody cares. No, nobody cares. Um, but speaking of the Darbys, Mildred Darby is one of the wild Captain Darby's ancestors. <laughs> um, she was a gothic novelist, and she regularly, regularly, lee, 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 performed seances. Weirds is full of it tonight. Man. Tongue-tied. Um, she performed seances within the walls of Lep. Now, it was said... Sounds like, sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, real bad idea. Because it was said that Mildred Darby's supernatural practice, practices... <laughs> I can't get through this. Um, awakened an elemental presence of a really dark, dark magnitude. Yeah. And... We're going to hold off on that oh, till yeah. a, it, just a little bit so that Mac and I can get into that. Um, but the Darbys ended up abandoning LEP in 1922. Just said, we're out. Yeah, they said, 
screw it, we're out, because Ireland was fighting for its independence from England, and the Darbys were an English family. So this was basically, you know, made Lep Castle a prime target for the revolt. Well, shortly after the Darbys departed, the castle ended up being bombed and looted by the IRA, and they ended up hanging peacocks from meat hooks all along the tower. Now, if this is kind of a tangent off for a second, but if you look into a lot of odd paranormal stuff, peacocks will come up a lot for some reason. There is weird things with peacocks and supernatural powers that show up. Hmm. And it just struck me fun. I don't think it has anything to do. Like, you know, it's just a coincidence. But as we've talked before, is a coincidence really a coincidence? You know, I don't think the IRA knew that. But I think it's an odd coincidence that they hung peacocks from the tower and they're associated with paranormal stuff. I kind of thought so, that sounded like a weird thing to do anyway. Yeah. So why, why peacock, peacocks? I mean, were they just around? No, let's kill these birds and let's hang them up. Yeah. And, you know, or was it symbolic of something? See, I, I couldn't find any symbology on it, but I, I, it just struck me as weird because I've run into peacocks and supernatural stuff so often mm. tied together that it just made me think, is there a weird connection there? Um, but a friend of the Darby's ended up living at the castle real briefly, but in Lep Castle tradition, she ended up being ravaged by gangrene. So Lep laid dormant until it was purchased in the 70s by an Australian historian, Peter Bartlett. Bartlett was an ancestor of the founders of LEP, the O'Bannons. So Bartlett did a lot of extensive restoration for about 15 years. Yeah, and it had to be extensive. Yeah. I mean, you realize that when when the Irish attacked LEP Castle, it was 1922, you know, right in that. Mm-hmm. I mean. They bombed it. They bombed it. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't like, hey, we're going to, we're going to you know, use catapults and throw some fire on it or Mm -hmm. something. I mean, they bombed it. Right. I mean, this, you know, an ancient castle like this isn't going to withstand, you know, modern day explosives. Right. So it it, it was a shell. It needed extensive stonework done. Um, But he apparently witnessed like poltergeist activity while he was working there. Um, And he apparently contracted a white witch to drive out the spirits of the castle. The witch claims that the spirit vowed not to cause any more trouble, but insisted on staying in the castle. But as we know, that's not necessarily the case. That's right. Uh, But Bartlett's renovations were cut short when he died in 1989. Now, in 1991, this is when musician Sean Ryan and his wife Anne purchased Lep and resumed its restoration. Yeah. And that's the people that Matt was talking about a minute ago. Right. So Sean and Ann Ryan are, are the present day owners of, of Lep Castle and have made it their home, but it wasn't an easy task. So when, uh, when they started the renovations, you know, and, and, you know, I understand you're renovating an ancient castle. This is not like, you know, 
hanging some drywall, you know, running putting a, coat a fresh of paint yeah, on the baseboard, paint, you know, fixing the fixing the shutters, putting up new gutters. I mean, mm-hmm. this is some serious stonework to restore an ancient castle. Sure. And it's not going to happen overnight. So, you know, they they took on this project to turn an ancient castle into a modern-day home. Into an ancient castle. I thought you were going to say turn an ancient castle into an ancient castle. Just a better-looking one. <laughs> Just a better-looking one. Yeah, why not? I'd like to turn a modern-day home into an ancient castle. Amen to that, brother. You know, if, you, if you ever come this way, we we have a castle. You we know, do. There's a castle right here in in this in our in our greater area. You can you know we can drive to a castle. It's mm-hmm. it's about it's not even ten minutes from my house. The weird part is is they do have it fortified really well because I've tried to take siege of the castle several <laughs> times and been fought off. And this guy comes out and says, uh, "He's says, got a. I would I would taunt you a second time. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> We fought in your general direction. <laughs> but but while they were restoring... If you get that reference, we yeah, can be friends. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but while they were restoring this castle, Sean had a few unfortunate accidents. Um, he had a fall, uh, supposedly off a ladder, and, and broke his kneecap. So that delayed it for about a year. So once he started up again, he had another accident, which left him with a broken ankle. And so now the restoration has, has stopped again. But Sean also reports that during the restoration that he would be working in a room and he would turn his back and all of his tools would be moved to the far corners of the room. That's weird. Yeah. And he also had a hired carpenter that just left. And refused to come back and wouldn't tell them why, you know, which honestly, if I'm like somebody tried to break his kneecaps. Yeah, that's right. It's like if I'm in there working, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm driving a nail or whatever I'm doing. And I turn around and all of my tools have been somehow moved away from me to the edges of the room. I'll be like, well, that's weird. I wonder how that happened. And then the next time you turn around, you see a ghost coming at your knees with a baseball bat. (laughs) Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm done, man. Yeah, I'm, done. I'm, not, can, I'm not hanging out here. You can keep my tool, too. I'm done. And you you got to remember that people weren't coming to this castle going, oh, wow, cool castle. Leb had a reputation for a long time. I mean, people knew this place was haunted. Right. So I would imagine hiring contractors to come in and work at this place was not an easy task. No, you know, and then once you found one, you know that maybe maybe this guy didn't know. Maybe he was maybe he wasn't Irish. Maybe no. he didn't grow up around there and didn't know. You ain't from around here, are you, That's boy? Right. Hey, you know, I'll pay you well. Come work on this <laughs> yeah, castle. Exactly. Oh, that'll be cool. I'm not coming back. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Keep your money. So, but as we mentioned, you know, Sean has heard footsteps and furniture moving and he's heard chanting and he's even heard his own name being called. We've Mm. talked about that before. Right. So again, if we're thinking that the spirits there have knowledge of what's going on, they're just not going through the motions of what led up to their death. You know, they're, they're interacting with the people there. A highly intelligent haunting. That's right. 
That's right. Some somebody knows that something's going on. But today, the castle is still privately owned by the Ryans, and you can't really stay overnight in Lep. But there are plenty of hotels around in the vicinity, and Sean actually welcomes any tourist who want to stop by and get an experience of the grounds firsthand. Um, he, he's also been known to, you know, like open his doors and grant you a private tour of Lep Castle. But, but but you're saying that you won't find Lep Castle on Airbnb or anything? No, unfortunately not. I have looked. Um, I cannot rent out the bloody chapel for a weekend, and that's a shame. But Matt, why, why don't we get into what we discussed a little bit ago that we teased too? Let's let's get into some of the other hauntings that take place at Lep. Okay, so there are more than just the hauntings that we've talked about. And a lot of these have occurred for, as we mentioned, decades. One, one of the, one of the people that you might experience if you get the opportunity to visit Lep Castle is known as the murdered woman. Now, since the time that the Darby's owned the castle, the spirit of a woman can be seen and heard in the castle. Now, the woman appears wearing very few clothes, very few clothes. Oh, hey. Yeah, that's right. And um, she has a red cloth draped over her face. Now, when she appears, this is according to Mildred Darby, she will scream twice and then vanish. Not so much hey. Right. But you can hear her scream, and Sean Ryan has reported hearing the screams throughout the castle. So, you know, that... That'd be enough to make me just go, okay, I, I just, I don't want to live here no more. Yeah. Visiting is one thing, but having to live with that's another. Now, just outside the castle is the priest's house. Now, the priest's house is still pretty much just a, an empty shell. It, it, it wasn't renovated. You know, it's, it's not living area, but it's still there. And it's still a part of the, the property there. Um, but Miss Darby would relate accounts of seeing shadowy figures wandering through the empty building. Now, she describes them as this. She says, there's something heavy that lies on people's beds and snores, and they feel the weight of a great body pressing against them in the room known as the priest's house. A burly man in rough clothes, like a peasant, he always pushes a heavy barrel up the back stairs of the, of the wing near the servants' bedrooms. And when just at the top, the barrel rolls down and all of them disappear. Now, there is also a monk um, who wears like a, a robe with a big hood or cowl. And he walks in at one window and out the other. Hmm. Yeah. Now, ghost monks are kind of creepy to me. Yeah. You know, the whole hood and the chanting and the whole Yeah. Well, and you got to think about like what what's behind it, too. It's like. If they're a monk and everything, you would think that they would move on, you know, to something after, unless there's something sinister holding them in place, mm -hmm. either them or something more sinister than them holding them earthbound. Yeah. So it's kind of creepy. Yeah. You know, did they, did they dabble in something that kept their spirit here mm -hmm. or, or did they learn through all their study? 
how to stick around. Right. You know, right. and, and, and monitor the goings on of their area, you know, it's weird. Yeah. Creepy monks. It's just weird. Yeah. But they're, this, this is going to be Adam's favorite. There are the ghosts of two little girls. Yay. At Lep Castle. <laughs> yeah. Kids. You can't have a haunted castle without kid ghosts. Why well, not? You, you should, but apparently we can't. Now, the visitors have reported seeing the ghosts of two little girls playing and, and calling for one another. They have been named Emily and Charlotte. Now, they, like I said, they've been seen playing, running up and down the halls, calling to one another. Now, Emily died at the age of 11 when she fell from one of the battlements. Now, most of the people that have actually seen Charlotte and Emily say they have, they have seen Emily fall. They see the ghost of Emily fall and they can see Charlotte running after her. Um, now Charlotte, it's, it's odd. The ghost, Charlotte's ghost has some type of physical malady, like a deformed leg. And so she walks and drags her leg when she's running after Emily. That doesn't make it any less creepy, Matt. No, it makes it more creepy. Exactly. <laughs> <sighs> you know, that, but that's kind of sad too. You're like, oh man, now my, my ghost has got to live with the physical malady that I mm-hmm. had. You know, that's terrible. Yeah. You're like, well, hey, once I'm dead, you know, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. You know, apparently I, not. I still got to limp around. Yeah. This is terrible. But those are just. You know, those really just scratch the surface as to what all goes on. And they're all amazing and terrifying and just give you cold chills in their own right. Sure. But there's one that Uh just stands head and shoulders above all of them. And Adam touched on this, but there is an entity that is said to reside in Lep Castle that is known as the Elemental. I'm now, sure some of y'all have heard that before. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, if, if you're into this stuff, you have heard the term, you, you may have even read into what an Elemental is, but the one at Lep Castle is not friendly at all. So Elemental spirits are considered very dangerous as traditionally they have abilities tied to the elements that they're associated with. Sure. Now the elemental at Lep Castle has the potential to cause great harm to anyone that it attacks. Now, one belief is that the elemental has the ability to alter the atmospheric pressure and usually lowers it. And many people have described changes in temperature that drop so suddenly and so cold that there there's no real explanation for it you know ancient buildings castles especially they're going to be drafty you know they're not insulated really mm-hmm. so cold and warm spots aren't uncommon but if you're in a spot that's fairly warm and all of a sudden the temperature drops like 30 degrees shouldn't happen that way. Right. And then without a breeze, yeah, especially 
the polarity of atmospheric ions fluctuate and trigger a condition known as serotonin hyperfunction syndrome. Now, this can cause symptoms such as heart palpitations, nausea, vomiting, sweating, chills, tremors, dizziness, and fatigue. And it's also been seen that skin and hair will have an electrical charge. Now, all of these events have been tied to an interaction with the elemental. Wow. Now, they've given it a name. The elemental is referred to as it. Which, you know, for modern day people, it always, you know, brings up Stephen King. Right. You know, and is creepy in and of itself. But, you know, decades ago, they named this thing it. Another theory as to why it resides in Lep Castle is that it was placed there by an invading force to burn the castle from the inside. And the person responsible for that is thought to be Gerald Fitzgerald, Earl of Kildare. That's like being named John Johnson or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gerald Fitzgerald. Now, he was a renowned magic practitioner and had attempted to take over the castle many, many times. So the local myths say that the elemental is the spirit of an ancient O'Carroll who died in the castle from leprosy. Now, this is said to be the reasoning for the decomposing facial features and appalling stench that accompanies the presence of the spirit. So if you have an interaction with the elemental, the smell of rotting flesh has has been reported many, many times. It's never a good sign. No. But there have been accounts of people that have actually seen the elemental more than just felt its presence or been affected physically by it. Mm-hmm. So Mildred Darby was said as Adam said, as Adam mentioned earlier to have dabbled in the occult, which was kind of the trend of the time. A lot of people did. So her activities, as we mentioned, focused on seances and even automatic writing. Which, you know, if you don't know what automatic writing is, I think we touched on it in in a previous episode where you would just, you would hold a pen or a pencil and you put it on a piece of paper and then you let the spirit kind of guide your hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the kind of stuff that, that she would do. So, and around this time when the Darbys lived in Lep Castle, that was really popular. You know, the automatic writing, seances, um, fortune telling, um, you know, even, even, you know, talking boards or Ouija board, you know, they were becoming more popular around this time too. Mm -hmm. So right around this time was also when they discovered the oubliette and cleaned out the bones. So there's, there's a lot of really bizarre activity happening all at once. And it's believed that this kind of worked like a perfect storm. And so by performing these seances and trying to communicate with the spirits that resided there, mm-hmm. along with waking up spirits by moving these bones and cleaning out this oubliette, that it produced enough energy to bring about the connection with 
the elemental. Right. Makes sense. So again, it, it's all about energy. And a lot of people really to this day will say nobody truly knows what has been seen or what was really there or even what it could be. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of theories on, on what it is. And it's felt that the elemental will only make itself known if it's provoked. And so Sean and Ann Ryan, they have lived there since 1991 and they said they have never had any interaction even comes close to this. That's good for them. So, but they're not poking around either. Right. You know, they're just living there. Right. You know, they're not having seances or trying to communicate with it or trying to exercise it, anything like that. But Mildred Darby unknowingly provoked the the elemental with her occult activity. Now, other individuals um, that have been, you know, on the receiving end of the elemental's fury uh, have also been trying to figure it out, study it, locate it, understand it. Um, and there are some personal accounts of people that have had direct contact with it. Um, and so there is actually a description of what this thing looks like and what it can actually do. Now the, the best description was written by Mildred Darby herself. And she actually wrote an article in the Occult Review. I mean, she's so into it. She's like, she's a writer for the uh, right. Occult Magazine of the day. You know, this is, I guess, you know, they didn't have Red Book. Yeah. Good, good housekeeping. Right. So you picked up a copy of the Occult Review at sure. the grocery store. I wish I could. <laughs> I'd read that. So this is Mildred Darby's account of her interaction with the elemental it. Suddenly, two hands were laid on my shoulders. I turned round sharply and saw, as clearly as I see you now, a gray thing standing a couple of feet from me with its bent arms raised as if it was cursing me. I cannot describe in words how utterly awful the thing was. It's very undefinable, rendering the horrible shadow more gruesome. Human in shape. A little shorter than I am, I could just make out the shape of big black holes like great eyes and sharp features. But the whole figurehead, face, hands, and all was gray, unclean, bluish gray. Something of the color and appearance of common cotton wool. But oh, so sinister, repulsive, and devilish. My friends who are clever about occult things say it's what they call an elemental. The thing was about the size of a sheep, thin, gaunt, and shadowy in parts. Its face was human, or to be more accurate, inhuman. And its vileness with large holes of blackness for eyes, loose, slobbery lips, and a thick saliva-dripping jaw, sloping back suddenly into its neck. Nose, it had none. Only spreading, cancerous cavities, the whole face being a uniform tint of gray. This, too, was the color of the dark, coarse hair covering its head, neck, and body. Its forearms were thickly coated with the same hair, 
So were its paws, large, loose, and hand-shaped. And it sat on its hind legs. One hand or paw was raised, and a claw-like finger was extended, ready to scratch the paint. Its lusterless eyes, which seemed half-decomposed and looked incredibly foul, stared into mine. And the horrible smell, which had before offended my nostrils, only a hundred times intensified, came up to my face, filling me with a deadly nausea. I noticed the lower half of the creature was indefinite and seemed semi-transparent at least. I could see the framework of the door that led into the gallery through its body. Now, I've never read a description of anything like that in all the research I've done. No, that that's f***ed up. Yeah. <laughs> like... Really? I mean, this, you know, you take into account that Mildred Darby was a writer. Mm-hmm. She was a novelist. And this is the stuff that she wrote about. So a lot of people can say, this is just her story. You know, she's she's concocting a story for her next novel. Mm-hmm. Or is she able, because of her writing prowess, to accurately and effectively describe what she saw and how it made her feel. Right. She knows the words to evoke the emotions that she felt. That's right. And, you know, I I don't know which is which, but the other accounts of interactions with the elemental, they, they seem to coincide with what she's describing. And it's either because it's bias because someone has read this account and that's what they're expecting to see. Right. You know, or there's something in that castle that can appear looking like this. Mm-hmm. There was a letter that was written to the occult review in response to her article. Now, this letter was written by another guest at Lep Castle. I saw your eyes fixed upon something above our heads, and the next minute my own eyes were filled by the sight of a thing in the gallery looking down at us. There was plenty of light from the lamps in the hall, and the one above on the wall at the corner of the gallery, for every one of us to see quite plainly the gray-colored figure about the height of a small grown-up person looking down at us. I wish I thought I could ever forget the sight of that gray figure with the dark spots like holes in its head instead of eyes, standing with gray arms folded on the gallery railing looking down at us. Then, just as he put foot on the gallery, the thing that he saw there that we were watching suddenly faded out of sight. The thing did not move only became less and less visible until it vanished. So, you know, you've got another account of someone that was at the castle, you know, that confirms what Mildred Darby saw. Mm -hmm. But all of these accounts are not necessarily that old. So on June 18th in 2002, a paranormal investigator was in the castle working for a local television network. 
Now, he describes venturing down a staircase to the cellar while carrying a camera with a UV light. Now, he noticed something move, and he looked up from the camera to see what it was. Now, here is his description of what happened. I thought I saw a glow come from around the corner, and it went back in. I stood and studied this for a while and thought it might be a side effect of the UV, which can be common. A few steps more, and my body was weakening fast. It was a strange sensation. Suddenly, this mass of white-like mist raced around the corner like a bull. Even the rubbish on the floor scattered as it approached at speed. The passage was tight, and I turned to my left to try and get out, get out of the way, but it was too late. I felt the pain as if something had just pierced under my right rib cage and went all the way through my back. This startled me a little, and we proceeded to arrange the shooting in the cellars but the audio refused to tape again in the cellar, and I really felt odd. I was sweating heavily and was becoming very weak and drowned in dread. Right after the incident in the tunnel, it felt as if a hole in my chest had been punctured on a spiritual level, and my life was seeping into the stones. In order to describe it and let the reader understand that they would have had to experience a large blood loss sometime in their lives. As they felt the blood drain this weakness would become prominent. Other were, in other words, they were experiencing the onset of death. I was dying. So, again, with the whole, that, that feeling of dread and weakness and just, I, I just, I'm, I'm going out, mm-hmm. you know, with this, with this experience, with this particular spirit. That's just, that's scary. But again, you know, going down into a cellar, you know, you would, you would be provoking it if you're, if you're hunting for it, if, sure. you, if you know it's there and you're going down there to rattle its chains, you know, it's going to rattle you back. Right. Right. You know, exactly. it's, it's shown that if, if this thing is real, it's not something to be provoked at all. Right. Now, interestingly enough, another personal encounter encounter with the elemental occurred on the same day, four years later in 2006, June 18th. And I was unable to find anything about that date that was significant for the castle. There may be, but I just, I could not find it. Um, but a visitor was touring the castle with one, with a friend of the Ryans. This is what he had to say. I looked into the darkness of a corridor that exited the spiral stairway. I became aware of the smell of sulfur. It was as if boxes and boxes of matches had suddenly been lit at once. I looked at my friend who had taken me to visit Lep Castle. He could also smell the sulfur. I stared into the darkness of the corridor and had the impression that a beast like a bear or a lion was staring back at me. The tension was rising like a ticking time bomb. My friend then closed the door and said to let sleeping dogs lie. Meaning sometimes you just have to leave things alone. He was a friend of Sean Ryan and I certainly did not want to disrespect either of them by stirring up the elemental. So, I think that was a smart thing. That to do. was a smart move. <laughs> so 
This is a unique spirit entity that resides in Lep Castle. And many people have even said that the castle itself seems to want to push away human inhabitants, Mm -hmm. that it just wants to be left alone. Um, But as we mentioned, the, the Ryans have not had any experience with the elemental, but again, they're not trying to provoke it. Right. You know, they're not hunting it. They're not trying to take pictures of it. They're just dwelling in the castle and letting it be, which seems to be the best thing to do. Yeah, right. But it's such an interesting being, you mm-hmm. know, whether you want to say it's, it, is it, is it a spirit? You know, is it, um, is it demon like, you know, is it more of something that was conjured, something that was created by evil deeds? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really know, but what we do know is that Adam and I are going to dig more into these elementals. Yep. That, you know, this is, uh, it was strange because we had kind of been looking at this topic for a while. Then we had already decided that we were going to do this mm-hmm. and do it next. And then we started researching the elemental that lives in Lep Castle. So right. it was fortuitous that, you know, we did this, but, but now the end of this show is teasing the next one. Yep. Which works out perfectly. Perfectly. Seems like we planned it that way. Yeah. I wish we, we could say we did. We are not smart <laughs> enough for that. <laughs> so if, if that idea of this, whatever you want to call it, that resides in Lep Castle is interesting, then check out next week. Mm-hmm. You know, because we got, we got some really cool stuff to talk about next week. Um, but and Lep Castle. Yep. <laughs> it's a, it's crazy, man. <laughs> it really is. So if any of y'all live in Ireland and have been there, let us know. You yeah. know, we, uh, when we teased the picture a little bit, uh, earlier this week, you know, some people had said they've been there, they've had, you know, camera troubles when they're trying to take pictures, stuff like that. But if you got pictures, let us know, send them to us. Uh, we would like to hear your personal accounts. Um, what do you think's going on there? Do you think the druidic activity has, you know, helped with keeping the spirits around? Do you think it was all the bloodshed from those jerk off O'Carrolls or, you <laughs> or, know, d- or did the druids know something? Right. And did, did they bring something to that land that stuck around when the castle was built? Right. You know, is it something older than, than the history of Lep? That we have now. Right. So let us know your thoughts, you know, shoot them to us in an email or Facebook message or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Adam and I would like to thank our sponsor for tonight's show care of Mm -hmm. go check them out, please. Just like we ask you to check out all of our sponsors. Uh, look us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Adam is the tweeter between the two of us. Um, Tweet head. (laughs) Uh, and get in our Facebook group. We have a, a lot of discussions. We have a lot of posts about personal experiences. We have, you know, some people that post funny things. We we it we got all kinds, but it's it's a it's a cool place. It's a safe place for you to come and and share some things that have 
you know, maybe happened to you or happened to family and, and to read some experiences and maybe offer some knowledge to some other folks that are dealing with some strange things. Uh, check out our website, as we mentioned before, it's graveyardpodcast.com. It's been redesigned. Ashley did a fantastic job on our website. You can listen to the show. You can find out more about Adam and myself and you can become a patron. And thank you so much to everybody who has donated to the show. Mm -hmm. So until next week, yeah, we will save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Mm -hmm.